Get ready to buckle up because on the She's Got Drive podcast, we remember that our brilliance is our birthright. And I'm Shelley McAlpine. Welcome to the show. As you can see, I got my beautiful hat on. I have been, I'm on a break right now and I am just recording the intro to the She's Got Drive podcast this week. And I wanted to share like, one is because I've got my beautiful hat and that's what I've been living in this week because it's so freaking hot here. But the other thing is, I wanted to share about something. So my daughter has a friend who lives in a city that's not far from where we're staying. Or I say not far, it was like four hours drive, but never mind. So about the city, and then she, she wanted to go visit her. We hadn't originally planned to go, but let, let's do it, let's go. And, um, and so we went and we discovered such a beautiful place that we would never have gone to had it not been for that invitation. And why am I sharing that with you? It's like, one is just, it's just that it's a beautiful place. It's, a, it's just called Merida in, um, in Mexico. It's just, it was just gorgeous. But the other thing about it was sometimes we get an invitation, right? That comes from nowhere. That is not what you planned. And there are times when we, it's just like, be a yes. Be a yes. And you never know what beautiful experience can emerge from that, um, that yes, even though it's unplanned. Now, for you, it's just like, well, if someone's inviting you to go to a beautiful city in Mexico, who'd say no? But actually, it was when oftentimes we have beautiful experiences that are in front of us all the time but we can be so stuck in our ways or so stuck on our plan that we never want to deviate. And I just invite us to pause. So is there something for you? If you've got an invitation to something and you're like, no, I'm not about it. Pause, reflect and see, because there might be something beautiful on the other side. So that's my, um, if that's sort of my thought of the week, but I'm just really present to that this week because it was such a beautiful experience and I'm just really grateful for it. And I wanted to share that with you. So this week's episode, we have Gwen Jimmery, who is the CEO and founder of Naturalicious. Now, she founded Naturalicious when, I want to say, when you hear her story, like right back in the beginning, when she literally had nothing. And I mean, literally had nothing. She got down to the bare bones, really, um, in her life and was able to develop and build up this phenomenal business so it wasn't overnight it was hard graft and work that got her there and tenacity she is one she was the first african-american woman to hold a patent for a natural hair care product and so she she holds that title as well Uh, a pioneer an inspiring woman and the thing that i this just like the way she has now manages her life and is able to switch off I have a lot to learn from her. So you're gonna love her, the interview that I have with her. So I'm gonna send you over to that interview with Gwen and I'll see you on the other side. Gwen, I am so happy that we're finally getting a chance to sit down together. And it's been a long time coming. So thank you for being a yes to being a guest on She's Got Drive. Absolutely. I'm really thrilled to be here and excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's start with my question for my guests is always like, how did you get to do what you're doing right now? Well, there's a couple of uh, answers to that, but essentially just in hair in general, <clears throat> I am, I always say that I am the least likely 
hair care entrepreneur because I was never into hair. I was never into like the beauty stuff, period. I've never been a big makeup wearer. I've been very adamant and intentional about like skincare and that sort of stuff. But I wasn't, you know, you're not going to find me like with a, a beat face every day. Like that's, that's not my thing. Right. And I think actually that's why that's actually what makes me so good at connecting with our consumers mm-hmm. because they are not those people either. And there's nothing wrong with being those people. Right. Of but there, there's a market for them. And that's not my market. My market is the is the person who's who wants to look good, but doesn't want to spend a lot of time and must and fuss on their hair or their beauty. They want to be like naturally feel beautiful um, and they don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Um, at most, they're going to do a five minute face. You know, they want a five minute hairdo, that sort of thing. Yeah. But they want to look good. Right. And so for me, it was a matter of trying to figure out my hair for all my life. I pretty much hated my hair. Mm-hmm. couldn't figure out how to make it do what I wanted it to do. It was always either too limp and like stringy because I had a relaxer mm-hmm. or when it was natural, it was just, it, there was no definition. It was just like, just like little Afro on my head. And that really right. wasn't the look I was going for. And so I was pregnant with my son and I realized um, in watching the documentary, Good Hair by Chris Rock, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of chemicals that's in relaxers and just hair products, even that quote unquote natural that are marketed to black people. And a lot of those chemicals are extremely detrimental to us. I mean, they can cause breast cancer, uterine Mm -hmm. fibroids, early onset of menstruation in little girls. And in the documentary, there was a, a soda can that Chris Rock and his cosmetic chemist friend dropped into a tub of hair relaxer and that can disintegrated within a couple of minutes. Wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it was really powerful for me. And I being pregnant at the time, all I could imagine was, okay, I know that our skin is porous. Most -hmm. things we put onto our skin, go into our body. What's going to happen to my baby with me putting this on my skin. And so at that point I decided I was no longer going to relax my hair. Now that wasn't supposed to be a forever thing. That was supposed Mm -hmm. to be, a one time while I'm pregnant, once the pregnancy is over, I'm back to relaxing my hair situation. Right. But during that time, my hair was just so, it felt different. It felt good. Like it, it I loved how it felt. Like I couldn't get my hands out of it. Mm-hmm. And even with that, I still hadn't found the right mix of products or as, you know, the naturalistas would say, holy grail right. of products for me. And so I decided since I couldn't find it, but I really liked how this natural thing was going, mm-hmm. I was going to have to create it. Now, this was prior to the days of you being able to go anywhere and get natural hair products. This was nine years ago, which is really not that long ago. No. But at that time, you could not go to Target and get natural hair products. You could not go to Walmart. You could not go to Sally Beauty even. You know, you right. couldn't go to these places and get natural hair products. You were pretty much stuck with Carol's daughter And Carol's daughter was not the Carol's daughter that we know today. At that time, Carol's daughter was still basically only sold in Brooklyn and out of Lisa Price's house. Right. And so it was, it sounds so foreign and crazy. Like, why did you feel you had some, you needed to make this? Well, it wasn't available. Right. And so a lot of times women um, entrepreneurs, we are great innovators. We are excellent um, at problem solving. Right. So we'll find a problem that doesn't, that doesn't have a solution in the marketplace and we'll create a solution for it. And Mm -hmm. next thing you know, 
other people have that same problem. And you're like, oh, I have a business here. And that's kind of what happened with me. So I was, you know, tinkering around in my kitchen and came up with a really great concoction of, of items and a recipe that worked really well for me. And it wasn't supposed to be a business. It was just for me. And I ended up realizing that friends were coming over and they were like, girl, what are you using in your hair? It looks so good. And I'm like, I make this little stuff in my kitchen. And they were like, well, let me get some. And so I would give them some. And the next thing I knew, I had their coworkers and their friends whom I did not know asking, where are you getting your hair products? Because you, your hair looks great. And they're like, oh, my friend, my cousin, my sister, whatever. Right. She makes it in her kitchen. And so it very slowly and organically turned into this thing where I kind of had to start charging because I was buying ingredients for other people and I had to offset the cost of that. And that's really how it started. Like very grassroots, very organically did not have any plans of making it a business at all. I had no intentions of getting into the hair industry. And even at that point, when I first started selling my products, Mm -hmm. I actually decided that I really liked how it made people feel and the reaction I would get from people. So I decided to open a hair store selling other brands products. Like I was not trying to start my own brand. Wow. At all. So Naturalicious, the original iteration of Naturalicious was not what we know today. It was actually a beauty supply store that sold other brands, natural hair products, which were all new on the market at that time, because this was a, a new kind uh-huh. of like category. Mm-hmm. And um, I was selling them and that, that was, that was it. And it started out being online. Then I got like a little brick and mortar space. Um, and then I very quickly realized that just from a business perspective, I could not control the margins that well when I was retelling other people's stuff. Um, there was a, a ceiling that I would always hit and I would right. never get beyond that. And I realized, you know what, if I were actually to sell the stuff that I'm making, I could control those margins a lot better. Like I was still selling my own stuff on the mm-hmm. side. Um, and then I just decided, you know, I'm going to close this part of it and I'm going to turn this into the actual business. Well, I didn't know that about you, about the beauty store. That is new. Oh my gosh. That is, but then that would have given you a lot of information and data about your customer though. Like, cause you're, they're coming in, they're asking questions, they're exploring there. So you, yeah, it, it did. But also at the time I was a brand new entrepreneur. Okay. So I didn't know anything about data collection and <laughs> analytics. I was right. on Shopify at the time. I was on some like rinky dink, um, like e-commerce platform that right. didn't give any, any sort of details. So, yeah, I mean, the good thing, again, though, is that I was the customer and I still am the customer. Mm -hmm. At least at the at the very least, I had would I buy this if I were not the owner? Right. right? Would I buy this? Would I use this on my hair? And I had a lot of hair knowledge. I had probably more. I, I venture to say I had more hair knowledge than the vast majority of people and even, you know, some stylists. So that that gave me a definite advantage. So when I would go to sell people products, it wasn't a matter of me trying to sell you. It was really just me positioning my expertise and saying, hey, um, you have this type of hair. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't get this for you. I would get this because this one's not going to weigh your hair down, but it's going to give you the curl definition you want. And right. I would proceed to tell them why. And I would talk about some hair education and that sort of thing. And that really helped me to sell the products because I didn't have a marketing budget at that point. So, so yeah, there was there was no data. <laughs> at that point for me at all uh, well I love that you um education's like a key part of your mission around here around your work so there's a product that you've created but it's also um educating women on how to use it because I see the things that you've 
the kind of things that you do for your community and for your customer and not just enhancing her hair through your product, but just generally enhancing her awareness about her natural hair. Because it is a total, it's like we have to relearn our own hair really because if we've been I don't relax mine anymore I stopped about it would be nine years ago ten years ago but mm-hmm. but I, I remember having to like relearn like the texture and what it does and what happens when it's not I mean it was a whole thing that I had to we unlearn and re and and relearn is yeah it? Yeah, yeah. So. we find that a lot with our customers. Like they're having to unlearn a lot. Unfortunately for us as a community, as Black women, we have not been taught really how to do our hair or what to do for or what our hair needs, right? We've mm-hmm. been, the the beauty industry has done a, a severe disservice to Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas our counterparts, they have, you know, been quote unquote natural pretty much all their lives, right? right. And then we are in our 20s, 40s, 60s, 70 sometimes right. having to relearn all this stuff that we didn't learn in our formative years. And it's a struggle. And it, you know, at that point we already have lives, we have careers, we have adulting to take care of. Yes, right. And it's like, on top of that, now we got to relearn our hair. It's, it's a whole thing. And so the, the thing is that our hair is actually not complicated at all. It's very simple, but there's a lot of money to be made by the hair care industry in keeping this particular subset of consumers confused, right? Because Mm. when you're confused, you're more likely to try a bunch of stuff. And what a lot of people don't know is a lot of these brands are all owned by the same companies or same conglomerates. So where you try one brand, you're like, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to try this brand because I've seen their advertisements. Well, they're owned by the same people, you know? And so they're they're getting all your money, whether you know it or not. And when I come and I teach about the education side of it and how simple and easy it is, to manage our hair and how our hair actually does grow. You just have to know what to do for it. Right. You're like, oh, the light bulb goes off. And, you know, that for one is helpful for us because it helps us to retain a customer who becomes very loyal to us. But beyond that, um, it really changes the trajectory for that particular person, but everyone around them, because then they're they're then sharing that information with their friends and their daughters and their granddaughters and their cousins. And, you know, and my whole thing is I just really want us as black women to love our beauty mm. and not feel like it's a chore. And so everything that I do at Naturalicious or any other um, beauty uh, subset that I create around that is around that is making sure that we realize that our beauty is not a chore and that we are the standard of beauty. Yeah. That's so good. Cause it, it does. There's lots of, there is lots of conversation of how long, how hard, how this, how that our hair is. Yeah, like, and yeah, there's always like, well, how long did that take? And but I'm with you. I don't want to get up and I want to go. In the early days, I used to spend so much time on the on then YouTube's and stuff. And in the end, I was uh-huh. like, I have a life. Yeah. I have a job. I can't. I can't. I can't spend hours doing this. I cannot. And so yeah, I go in and out of what I do with the yeah. It's definitely information overload and most of the information is honestly just completely wrong or it's it's complete it's like incomplete right so they'll tell you just enough and then you like the the person who watches it kind of just goes running off with that information yeah they'll tell you the other part that you need to know you know it's like well you know you can over moisturize your hair yeah you can but they don't say if you're using the wrong types of moisturizers here's what you should be using 
Right. So it's like, in that case, you can't over moisturize your hair. And if you moisturize your hair adequately, you actually have longer hair because yeah. your hair's not breaking now. And so, you know, it's just a lot of that. And I find like, I'm constantly like battling against that. <laughs> um, because I'm only one person. And then there's like all these other hundreds of thousands of yeah. people, but it's super rewarding and fulfilling when like somebody gets it and you're like the light bulb, you see the light bulb go, light bulb go off in their head. Mm-hmm. And now their whole life is literally forever changed. Yeah. So when you think about what's the reach of your products now, what's the reach of your, of the work that you do? How, how far is like the availability of your well, we we sell to over twenty four hundred retail stores, including wow. Sally Beauty. We're in Ulta. We're in Whole Foods as well. We also sell on our website, um, and we ship to over two hundred countries. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah we not really. Uh, listen, I didn't know that you were over two hundred com- countries. Yeah, going. You're really nailing it, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Really, really nail it. So now, wow. So let me just, what is having you nail it in this way? Because I mean, this podcast is all about talking about success and how you achieve the success. But what is it? What is it? What are you doing that's having you produce these extraordinary results? Because there's lots of people who start beauty brands. There are lots of women who start, maybe not, it may be in the natural hair space, but beyond, like multiple makeup, da 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 da. What is it about what you're doing and how you're doing it that's having you have this level of success? I would say, well, first of all, I've been doing this for nine years, right? So we have to also consider that, yeah, there's a time factor here. A lot of times people look at the highlight reel and they're like, oh, they're just killing it. And it's like, yeah, girl, I made a whole lot of mistakes, right? (laughs) Um, So there's this is just the factor of time, right? And they always say that, you know, you have to put in 10,000 hours before you even yeah. start to see a return. Um, and 10,000 hours is a lot of time. So yeah. I put in well more than 10,000 hours, but you know, a lot of it's trial and error, but a lot of it also is building a community, which was so helpful for us, especially during COVID because a lot of brands in my, in my category, they focus solely well, not solely, but mostly on their retail sales. So again, for us, that's Ulta, Sally Beauty, Whole Foods, mm-hmm. stores like that. Um, and they're constantly driving consumers to those stores, okay. which is great, right? It's very nice to get a big old check from a retailer for like $90,000. Like, I'm not going to lie, right? right. Um, however, when you are mainly focused on driving customers there, instead of owning that data, like we talked about earlier and mm-hmm. having those analytics when COVID hit and all the stores were closed and there was people had to go online to purchase, mm-hmm. we were thriving, honestly, in COVID, where a lot of our competitors were suffering because the stores were not open. Um, they had basically sent their customers. They didn't have a relationship with their customers. They were sending them to the retailers, retailers who were not available. Um, and also on top of that, the retailers had invoked a clause um, which basically allowed them to not pay the brands for an extended period of time. Wow. So if your your business was reliant upon a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of money coming in the next 30 days, well, you weren't going to get that for like four months. So now you've got to like figure out how to float, pay your staff, Mm -hmm. 
keep the business running, all of that for four months, which is a long time. If you're expecting it, you get like a few hundred thousand dollars worth of money. Yeah. yeah. But for us, we do a lot in retail. However, our bread and butter is online. And so that comes from community building. Um, it's some, I will tell you, it is a much slower growth strategy mm-hmm. than just running ads and sending people to retail stores or even just running ads and send them to your website, but not building a rapport, not building a relationship with them. But I will say that, you know, the slow and steady wins the race and, you know, the tourists and the hair, you know, that same thing. I just feel like for us, me having a personal relationship with a lot of our customers, I can't say I have a personal relationship with everybody Mm because we have a lot, right? But with a lot, like I know their names. I know, you know, whose husband recently died from COVID. Mm -hmm. I know who who, whose son is um, giving them a hard time. <laughs> you know, right, I know right. like all of those personal things because of the community that we built. I know who just got married. Sometimes I know people who are getting married before their family knows because the customer is coming into the community and they're telling the community before they even told their family. Right. Right. And so that's something that we built over time that takes time and yeah. energy and intention. And I really think like a lot of it, a lot of our success has been Word of mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Because customers are like, you know, I use this brand and they're not used to seeing the owner call them directly yes. and just thank them for their purchase or for thanking them for being, you know, for spending over $5,000 with us in a two-year period or, you know, whatever. They're not right. used to that. So one, it's not uncommon for me to do that. And then they're always shocked. They're like, this is, don't you own a company? Like, <laughs> what, what, what is going on? You know? Or every blue moon, I'll respond to customer service emails. Not often, but sometimes I do, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll pop in. I'll be like, hey, this is Gwen, the owner, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be shocked and delighted that, you know, some, that the owner mm-hmm. who they view as like kind of high on the totem pole right. has the, the time to even consider them, you know, right. and it just really builds a, a strong, a strong community um, that has helped us weather a lot of storms. Um I came out, my book released, I wrote a book, my book released in late February mm-hmm. and I have done no marketing for that book. And that book has sold over 4,000 copies. Wow. Uh, and that's just in our community, you know? And so we probably would have sold more had I done marketing, but, but we didn't, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's just a really, to me, great way to build a business is to build a community because then you become someone who they like, know, and they trust. Yeah. And it's so much easier to build a loyal fan base that way than it is just a transactional business. That's just so volatile. You can't expect, you, you, you really have no idea what it's going to be from month to month. Right. And then in, 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 in what I can hear as well is as you say, like, you know, a lot of your customers, your customers, they know you as you know them. Do you know what I mean? As they see yeah. you relating to people Absolutely. like them, they're like, I'm sure they show up next to you. And they if they meet you in the street, they feel like we've known each other a long time because they've been following you and they've been inside the groups, but yeah. you may have never met them, but they really yeah. feel like you're on their side. So yeah. And then we, we do in-person stuff too. And so like, um, like last year, and we try to create like, experiences for our customers because we know that they're a group who likes experience so last september we took 40 of our top customers to morocco um and we did a whole morocco trip and it was incredible so all these ladies who had never 
seen each other or met each other in person uh-huh. were now, but they had seen each other online, were now in person. And it was just like a family reunion. Like it was like, oh my God, hey Erica, hey Denise. You know, like uh-huh. they and they were with me, like I was there too, right? So then there's yeah. that other touch point, that other layer of like, oh my gosh, I'm really here with the CEO of this company, right? In this like a beautiful country, you know, Girl in Africa, you know. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Um, this year we're taking them to the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Oh and wow, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like we're creating these experiences, these yeah. touch points that you just don't get with other brands, you no. know. Um, and uh, there's another group that we're actually taking to to um, Playa del Carmen, Mexico next month. Uh-huh. And so it's just like, but when you, when you realize like these people are going on these trips and you're not on that trip, you're like, wait a minute, what I got to How do? How do I get on, on that trip? trip? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it there, you know. And so that also is kind of like a, a nice like FOMO byproduct of, yeah, of all of yeah. it. Um, and honestly, for me, it's not even like a sales tactic. It's like. If I could have someone asked me this one time and I, I really started building my business around this, it was if you could, if money, time, and energy were no object for you, mm-hmm. what would you do? Right. And for me, that answer was a ton of personal development, which is something I'm really big and into. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always do personal development, I will always travel, and I will always be with my friends and family. That's what I would do, right? Yeah. If I didn't have to work, if I none of that. Yeah. And so that person then asked me, well, okay, so let's build your business around that. Build your business around personal development, time with your family and friends and travel. And so that's where the Morocco trip came from. Cause it was like, I love it. I, I love my customers. Like they're, like, they're my I friends, right? So much going. Yeah. And so it was like, let, let's take them to Morocco. Let's take them to um, somewhere that they would love to go, but probably would never go on their own. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's how Morocco came to be. And so now this whole annual retreat, we call it the Claymate Retreat, is an annual thing now. And so, like, they're expecting every year to be able to go to this like amazing place and have this incredible time that they would probably never even think to go, but because it's like so far out of reach for them. Yeah. And I'm all about abundance and and putting yourself into places and realizing like I can have this life. Yeah. And so I want that for my customers too. And so again, it's just like building what I want for myself and bringing them along with it. Yeah, and it just happens beautiful. to be that we also own a, own a hair company in, in the midst of it all. Yeah. So this really speaking to them, like fulfilling the dream of like the whole life, like the hair is, I mean, it's like your entry point, you know? Um, yeah. But this whole world that they become a part of as a result, and then it, and it becomes aspiration, just like the aspirations around your head is like beyond that, like aspirations for your life, and then yeah, this really yeah. strong community. That's amazing. That Thank is you. amazing. I saw those pictures of Morocco. I mean, it just—it's been a long time since I've been to Morocco. My child was like four, and she's now eighteen, so no. I had to go back. I saw them. Was like, oh my god, I forgot how beautiful Morocco. Yeah, is, and all this. Um, these places okay so when if you given that if you had to define success for yourself how would you define success Mm, success is peace Mm. success is not having anxiety success is actually putting other people in position to win um and success is financial like abundance too, right? Um, that's what success is for me. Um, but again, 
that uh, always thinking of what I would do if money's time and energy were no object traveling, um, personal development and spending time with my friends and family and being intentional about those. Those are really the success points for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom passed away in October. And actually this necklace is something that one of my, um, customers actually sent to me after my mom passed away. I'm sorry to hear um, that, you. Yeah, thank you. But this, again, that's like the relationship we have with the uh, customer. Like they're sending me, you know, gifts because they know my mom passed away. Um, but my mom passed away and it was, she was, you know, older, but we weren't expecting her to die mm-hmm. right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of a surprise and we were all, my whole family was pretty unprepared for it. Right. And so when she passed away, you know, actually I had just come back from Morocco. So I had gone to Morocco. I came back on a Saturday. I talked to her that Saturday. And again, that Tuesday, and she asked me to come visit her. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to come. I'm actually going to be there this weekend. I'm coming to visit mm-hmm. you. And she was like, okay. Um, and we talked, you know, we had some conversations and I was supposed to visit her on October 9th. She died on October 8th. Wow. And I don't feel like I like missed out or like I, you know, I'd never had time for her. Like I don't have that feeling. Um, cause I did, I, I saw her often and, you know, we talked all the time, but it also just kind of solidified the, that we are all here on borrowed time. You know, we don't know when any of our cards are going to get pulled and when it's time for us to go. And so I'm very aware, like, you know, of spending time with my friends and my family, my dad, who's still here with me, mm-hmm. um, making sure they know that I love them, all of that, because you can't take you cannot take money with you. You can't take, you know, material possessions with you when you, when you're gone, you know, but your legacy lives on. And so it's very important to me to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm centered. I meditate every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reading, I'm very into my spirituality Mm -hmm. and all those things are like success points for me. You know, I also realized that putting people in position, like I mentioned earlier, it's so key, right? Like when we, most of us, when we start businesses, we're doing everything ourselves. And that's because we don't have the budget to hire all these people. Right. So it's understandable, but there's a time when we kind of start doing that. We're doing that for too long. Like you can hire somebody, you know, you can hire somebody, (laughs) but you just don't. Right. Cause like, you don't want to spend that money. But I find that the more I let go and allow people to be responsible for what I hired them to do, the more they actually show up, the less I I show up as like superwoman and like do stuff for them or the less I actually answer. Right. Cause a lot of times when you're the boss, your team doesn't want to do the wrong thing. And so they'll ask you questions that, you know, they know the answers to, right. But they'll just be asking you. You're like, girl, why did I hire you? <laughs> if I got to do this for you. But when I actually, I just came back from the Maldives, actually, my mm-hmm. son and I went there for his spring break. And when I was gone, I very intentionally removed Facebook and Instagram and all the social platforms from my phone um, because I really want to relax. Right. I even removed email. Like I'm not checking email, nothing, none of that. And I you, deleted, you mean you deleted the apps from your phone? Yes. I deleted them from my phone. Yes. I was gone for a whole week. Even First your mail my, app. You deleted even my mail app. Even my mail. And I figured like 
one person in the company who's my operations manager had my WhatsApp number. So I was like, listen, yeah. if you really, 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 really need something, right. message him and he will contact me on WhatsApp. Right. But don't message me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, if the building is on fire, call the fire department. Don't call me. I can't do anything about it. Right. So, um, so hey, actually I didn't hear from them the whole week. I also removed Shopify from my phone. So like the little ding that goes off yeah, when yeah. you make a sale. Because I found, I just didn't want any notifications, right? That, that's really what it was. While I was in the Maldives, my son, who was 11, decided he wanted to play around a little too much. And he started splashing me with water, salt water, as I was taking his picture in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that, you know, a lot of times our phones are water resistant. They're not waterproof, but they're water resistant. But salt water is a different beast. If you get salt water in your phone, you pretty much fry the motherboard. Salt water got in the phone. So any even weak moment I might've had to say, let me add this back in and see what's going to happen. I could, I didn't have access to anything. <laughs> Luckily my son has a phone and I was able to use his for communication, but I, I wasn't adding any, he's 11. He doesn't have Facebook, yeah. he doesn't have Instagram. Yeah. So I wasn't going to add that to his phone. So I was truly, truly, truly off the grid. Right. Nice. And in the, it, it provide, and I, I fully believe that everything are all of our steps are ordered. Everything happens to us the way that it should. And everything is always working for our good. I fully believe that. And I believe that that happened so that I could truly understand, Hey, you can let some of this stuff go. Right. right? So while I was gone, the business ran just fine without me, mm. nothing bad happened. And in fact, we actually made more money in revenue while I was gone. And I think it was because my team had the freedom and I'm not a micromanager anyway, right. but I wasn't there to even like check in on them. Right. So they had the freedom to just do their jobs extremely well. And luckily, like most people, I've hired good people. I've hired, I've hired not so great people. Mm-hmm. Right now I have a really, really strong team. And so they were able to just really fly. And so when I came back, to this day, I've been back for like two weeks now. I haven't added any of the social stuff back to my phone. I haven't added Shopify because I'm not tied to it anymore. Right. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean I don't go on Facebook. Like I'll go on Facebook on my on my computer, mm-hmm. but it's a very much more limited um, engagement. I'm on my computer for a few hours a day. Most of the time I'm working when I'm on the computer, but I'll, I'll pop in on Facebook, see what's going on. But I'm not every time I get a notification, like, Oh, let me get this dopamine hit and look at my phone, you know? Right. And it's just opened up so much freedom and creativity for me. And again, putting those people in position and letting them know like, Hey, you're safe to go do this. And if you make a mistake, it's okay too. I'm also not tied to the, like the numbers. Whereas before I would look at the numbers all day throughout the day. And it would literally dictate my mood right now it would be my mood internally not, no one else was affected by right, this mood right but i would feel like oh we're not doing so good today or we're really killing it right now you know and so as opposed to looking at it over the course of a week or a month right. it's kind of like when you're trying to lose weight or gain weight like you're looking at yourself every day and you're like i don't see any change but when you look at yourself over the course of six weeks it's like oh i see a big difference yes. and that's kind of what it was and it's just so freeing so for me Surely that is success. Like success is like not having the anxiety, not mm. having to always be on. I can just be in what in meditation we call equanimity, which is just like flowing with how things come, but right. also not allowing life to happen to us, still being in control mm-hmm. of things, 
but being flexible enough, right? There's this saying that um, I think it was by Bruce Lee. He said that um, notice the stiffest of trees are the first ones to break, but the bamboo and the willow, they bend with the wind. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I'm like just focused on being a bamboo or a willow yeah. just flowing and bending, but not breaking. That's a, a long answer. <laughs> oh, but a, but a beautiful one. I love the, because the, I love the, I'm going to now just delete Instagram from my phone and Facebook and just go through the browser. Cause you're right. It's, it's, it's a different experience. So you don't stay on it long. Cause you're like, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> much yeah. Harder, right. And, um, but I, that I love that the success is one is that you're empowering others to do what they're there to do. And the other, mm-hmm. your freedom to be is why here. Like you have a freedom to be where you are, to be present where you are, to have, be peaceful. I mean, I think so many of us are craving that, craving peace, craving yeah. not having to be pulled in so many ways and but it's also a product of the hard work that you've done over the years to get yourself and your business to this stage where you could do that too right as you said like lots of people don't hire when they're supposed to and they hold on to too much um, yeah instead of trust trust and release right right yeah it also allows you to just be present when you're present yeah. If I'm at the movies with my son, I'm not like checking my phone to see mm-hmm. like what's going on. I'm not checking my email because mm-hmm. I'm worried. I ha- I missed an email, you know, and I also have found that I have to set boundaries. Like I don't do any meetings after a certain time. Mm-hmm. And if the meeting has to happen after a certain time, then we just got to move it to a certain day because that time is dedicated to my son after he gets out of school. Right. You know, like I have to have a life, you know, and just like with the culture of work in America, people, even when you're out of office and they get the out of office message, they're like, oh, that's optional. Like I'm still expecting an answer for her. So like I have had, found I had to set boundaries. Like in my out of office message, it says, I am 100% offline. Contact these people. <laughs> if you need right. I'm right. not going to get a response from me because I'm on vacation and people should take vacations. And I encourage my team to take vacations. And we don't do that. We, we take workcations, you know, we're, we're on the beach and we're working. Like, no, like, yeah, in America, they still have a, so, I mean, I don't know what it's, I don't know if it's shifted in this direction in the UK over the years that I've not been in there, but I remember coming <laughs> when I came here at first and I had three weeks, I was taking three weeks to go to the Caribbean to be with mm-hmm. my mom at the time. And people were like, you're, you're away for three weeks. It's like, yeah, I'm away for three weeks. I'm just like, they couldn't in what do you mean, what do you mean your wife said three weeks right this <laughs> is like so and no vacation for some people is a weekend I said that's not a vacation that's a long weekend yeah yeah that's vacation that's a long weekend yeah. we're going on yeah. vacation you're going for four days that's not vacation that yeah time so yeah um, you know I don't even say vacation anymore I say what y'all say I say I'm going on holiday oh holiday it's different. It's different like yeah. I feel like if I tell people I'm going on holiday they're like oh she's going on vacation if I say I'm going on vacation they're like oh she's still working <laughs> like no uh, no it's a I'm holiday. not We're on I'm holiday. on holiday yeah a holiday, yes a holiday um if you think about what drives you what motivates you what is it making my son proud Mm. that's the biggest thing that motivates me for sure Mm. what is it that you want him to be proud of 
Um, when I started Natural Delicious, I had just divorced his dad. He was two years old or just about to turn two. He wasn't quite two. So he doesn't remember any of this, but he knows the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had $32 in the bank. And when I got divorced, I was very dead set on making sure that his life did not change dramatically. Like I wasn't interested in moving out of the house that he grew, that he was um, essentially born in. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't interested in taking him out of his like baby swim lessons that he was in Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, even his little like, you know, toddler time stuff. I wanted all that to remain and I only had $32. So that wasn't going to stretch very far. So I really had to hustle and grind to make money to pay all the bills, keep him in all of his things. Um, because I was like, I don't want his change to be traumatic. You know, his dad's already not in the house anymore. Yeah. I don't want any trauma to like happen for him. Right. And so it was always about making sure that he was good. And so that one day when he was old enough to know how me and his dad divorced and all that came with that, that it was a story of triumph. And it wasn't like, oh, my mom left my dad. And because my dad was abusive and she had to go back at home, live with my grandparents and she was downtrodden. You know, I didn't want that story. I wanted it to be right. a story of like my mom left my dad. He was abusive and she decided that he wasn't that that wasn't going to be her life. And she made a way for me and her me and her for herself and I. Mm-hmm. And she, you know overcame all this stuff and right. not only did she overcome it but she like it, it was abundant and she became successful and right. she was able to help other people become successful too like that's the story I wanted and so everything I did up until that you know up until I was truly felt like I had kind of like made it a little bit mm-hmm. was making him proud and making sure that that was a story that he could tell because he would tell it eventually he would eventually tell it to yeah. his wife or his girlfriend or his yeah. friends or whomever and I wanted it to be a story that he was proud to tell and um, I've achieved that. I know I have because yeah, he, he does tell the story and he's always like, it's so, it's so we, it's so funny. Yesterday, he had a party at our house with like nine or 10 of his friends. Right. And they were all over. It was just like a random, it was not birthday. It was just like, have your friends over. We're going to have cake and ice cream, pizza, nice. whatever. So they're all over. And Caden's like, you know, my mom is rich. <laughs> and I'm standing there like oh my gosh like don't be like you know so they're like really and then he's like yeah and she started this company and so he takes them into the the home office that we have here and he's like I'm gonna show you her plaques and I'm like oh my gosh like like but then I had to tell myself like don't dim his light yeah like, he's proud of this this is yes. what you wanted but me I'm like don't brag don't brag like don't don't go running and telling your friends and they're going to go tell their parents and it's going to be a whole thing. And then something said, stop Gwen. Yeah. This is what you wanted. You wanted him to have a story that he was proud to tell. I didn't know he's going to tell it quite like that, yeah. but <laughs> nevertheless, let him have this moment because this is what he wanted, you know? Yeah. And so yes, I'm very proud of proud that I have made him proud. Yeah. And that you really, it's like you define I, this is the you defined your future and then you start you got to work on making it a reality like you that yeah. that moment whatever that moment was you were like this is this is my story this is not my story yeah and it must yes, have been like exactly. a really powerful moment and then you then you are 
you're at work at making that story real um yeah you've really done it's been phenomenal that's a phenomenal journey um I I wonder I want to ask you a question I wonder because it feels so tell me if you, you don't have to answer this question but one of the questions that I ask is um my my mom passed away in 2018 and so mm-hmm. I added this question you don't and if it feels like a question you don't want to answer it feels fine mm-hmm. um but uh and I there's so many lessons that I got from my mom obviously mm-hmm. and um or it could be an elder woman in our lives you know as well but what would be something that your mama used to say to you that you got from your mom that has that stays with you that that's something that you live by hmm. um so many things um I find myself repeating them a lot to my son actually um What's one? I'm trying to think of just one, like, yeah. really good and one. it may not be a phrase, it's bit, but there's a sometimes it's not a thing that that she says, but it's a it's a way of a, an approach in life mm-hmm. that you're clear that you got from her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, she was a really like get shit done kind of person, you know, um, yeah. and she, for better or for worse didn't really rely on other people. Mm-hmm. So she would always do stuff herself. Even if someone else could do it, right. she would, she would like take that on. Now for me, that latter part is not the move, right? Like she was just like, you know, you can't trust people to do stuff, right? You got to do everything yourself. So that part, you know, I've, I'm very clear on, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. Right. So I'm very clear on like going together. makes the most sense. Um, so I'm not, not in that same mindset as she was, but you know, she was always proactive, always taking Mm -hmm. initiative. Um, didn't really wait. She would ask for forgiveness rather than permission in things. Just like, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And I'm a lot more spontaneous than she was. Um, which used to drive her nuts. <laughs> She's more of a planner. Yeah. Um, but I definitely learned to just like get things done and figure out a way, mm. which helped me a lot at the beginning of my business because I didn't have, like, I was the everything. I was the secretary, like most people are when they start yeah. a business. I was yeah. the secretary. I was the, the formulator of the products. I was the, the operations manager. I was the packager. And then at my other job, I was the mom. Right. So I was right. all that comes with being a mother and I was a single mother at that. And I didn't have any money. So like her thing was like, get it done by any means necessary. Make sure it's legal, make sure it's moral, <laughs> but get it done. Right. And a lot of people, I think sometimes we've just been kind of sitting like I only got thirty two dollars. There's no way I can I can do yeah, it. Yeah. And for me, it was like, OK, well, you know what? I can't afford this right now. So what I would do is I would take my son who was still in his like carrier at that point. And we would go down to this um, open air market in Detroit called Eastern market. Mm-hmm. And we would go down there and you had to pay for a table in order to have a space to present there. But I didn't have the money for that. So I had a table in my garage and I would take that table down to Eastern market and I would just set up shop and like hope that the organizers wouldn't see me or find me and like kick me out. Right. And so I would just find an empty spot because it was always somebody who didn't show up one weekend and yeah. I would just take this. 
And so I would, I would sit there and I would sell my products and my son was really cute and they would, it would attract people because people love babies. So yeah. it would attract people to the table and I would completely pimp him out. So like <laughs> they would come over, they would say, oh my gosh, you're so cute. What's his name? How old is he? Yeah. And then I would use the opportunity to then tell them about the products. Right. And then we sell out. And that was like one of those, like ask for forgiveness, not permission kind of things. Mm-hmm. Cause I could have like gone to the Eastern market board and said, I can't afford this. Can you please you know, allow me to stay here. And they would have said no. And then I would have just been like, oh, well, I can't do it, which is what a lot of people would have done. Right. But I was like, I'm just going to like make this way out of no way. Um, and so I definitely got that from her. Just yeah. like get things done. Don't wait for other people to um, necessarily get it done for you. You at mm-hmm. least have, you may need other people to help you along the way, but you definitely have to take the first step yourself. Yeah. Um, that's, that that's like, that's entrepreneurship. Yeah. You have to be someone who gets shit done, basically. Yeah. 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 And my dad was like that too, but I didn't, I didn't know he was quite like that, honestly, until she passed away because she always did everything. You know, she was like, I'm not going to wait for your dad to do this. I'm just going to do it myself. You know? So when she passed away, I just saw how, like he was even more so of a get shit done person than, than he was, but she, he didn't want the static. So he would just, you know, let her do her thing uh-huh. and just play the background. And when she passed away, you know, I just assumed that it was going to be a lot of me having to like help him get things done. And he was just, he was on it. And I was like, I really think I got, got it from both of them, you yeah. know, just that ingrained make things happen kind of um, energy. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that um about about her and about about you and um just a couple and then we because I know we're moving to to closing this out and this time has gone so quickly did you ever mm-hmm. have you ever felt like you when you felt stuck that you were thinking like am I on the right path did you ever have doubts and if you did what did you do to turn that around what are the things that you Oh, um, I've uh, sure. I absolutely have doubts. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes, but I also know that someone just asked me recently, actually, you know, do you ever regret not working at like a traditional nine to five? I'm like, absolutely not. No, I've never, I've never, ever regretted that. There are times where I've doubted certain things, but not the overall act of what I'm doing. Right. So like, okay. I've never doubted that I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. Right. I have doubted how we're going to make payroll, right. <laughs> how are we make payroll next week? How are we going to, um, purchase this building? I just purchased a, a commercial building recently. So it's like, right. you know, how, how am I going to make that happen? Right. Um, things like that. But I also on the flip side, as I've gotten older and more aware, um, more spiritual, mm-hmm. more, um, mindful. I'm aware that the more you doubt things, the less they happen for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So the the more you believe. And so it's so funny because my son hears me preach this all the time. He's like, mommy, you know, what you believe you will achieve, what you don't believe you won't receive or you're whatever. And it's very true. Right. So it's like, people talk a lot about manifestation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and really it's a spiritual practice, right? And it, it, I think when people hear it and they don't really understand how it works, they, they think like, oh, you just think positive thoughts and like all this stuff comes to you. And that's, that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, but I do know that there's been times where I've really wanted something. I've been really meditating on it, visualizing for it. And then it didn't happen as fast as I thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I start to doubt it. And any progress that I was making on it, it goes away. Like I've lost opportunities because of that, right? So yeah. I learned, hey, it's in your best interest, Gwen, to actually just maintain your positivity on this. But it's about faith, not hope. But hope and faith are two different things. Mm-hmm. And so you can have faith that something's going to happen, or you can hope something's going to happen. Hope leaves doubts, right? Because you might hope it's going to happen, but you're you're thinking it probably won't. Faith means that you are actually, you know, this is going to happen. You just don't necessarily know when or how. Right. And I know that when things are not working out for me, they're usually in the background working out better than I ever, ever could have imagined. Right. right? And I'll give you a really great example of that as we, as we close up. Yeah. So Recently, I purchased a commercial building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you how this all came to be. So back in 2020, right before the pandemic, I was getting ready to open a hair salon. And the, the only purpose of the hair salon was really to show how naturalistic products worked, right? To get a camera, videotape it so we could like broadcast it and stream mm-hmm. it. But because I was paying for the hair salon over the course of, you know, a, a month, we we're only filming four days a week. I mean, I'm sorry, four times a month. Right. So it made sense to use, make the salon an actual functioning running salon. So I had stylists, the whole nine, everything. It was supposed to open in March of 2020. Right away, we were booked through June of 2020. Wow. Right. So this is great news. However, the pandemic said no, because yeah. it showed up a week later. So we opened the next week, the pandemic happened and we had to shut down. So I was paying on this salon and it was a salon suite, right? It was a place I was renting. You know how they have like those places. Yes. It's like a bunch of different suites. Yeah. I was paying for one of those. It was only like one chair, two chairs. And I was paying on that from March until October. Cause I thought the pandemic is going to end. We'll be able to reopen. But the state of Michigan was really um, strong on like nobody's opening until right. this thing is done. So from, for what, six months or so I'm paying on the salon that has no revenue. So eventually I was just like, I can't do, I can't, can't yeah. keep doing this. So I was able to get out of that contract. That was October of 2020. Now, mind you, that was a rental suite, one chair, one, two chairs. November of that year, I get a call from a friend of mine who owns a number of barber shops in the city of Detroit. He had a bunch of small shops and one large shop. And he was like, Hey, when I know that you're trying to open a hair salon, I have this one larger space and I'm really trying to get rid of it so I can focus on the other, the other smaller ones I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just take over my lease. Now, again, this was a lease and it was, it sounded like a better opportunity because it was a bigger space. They had, I think eight chairs, right. Instead of just one or two, yeah. so they had eight chairs. It was in the middle of the city um, of Detroit not accessible from like everywhere in Metro Detroit because Metro Detroit is very large, right? You can drive an hour and still be in what's considered Metro Detroit. Right. But accessible to people in Detroit. Um, it was connected to, right, connected very closely to one of the universities. So I'm like, okay, we'll get the college kids. Um, and it's already like specked out for salon. 
Great. Well, that ended up being a lot of bait and switch. And he was telling me it was going to be one thing and then it was something else. And it was just a lot of back and forth. And in the end, he ended up um, giving it or offering it to someone else who had an already established salon, right? So I was just like, well, that didn't work out, right? So again, all these things not working out for me. Um, And so that was that. So that was the end of, uh, that was November, 2020. So we went all of 2021, Mm -hmm. most of 2021. And I started thinking about, you know, I really, I really do want to open the salon and I want to make it innovative. I want to make it different. I want to make it a place where one, your time is respected, right? You're not having an appointment at 10 AM, but not getting in the chair until two o'clock. Right. Right. Like your time, your appointment time is your appointment time. You're in and out within two hours max. It's an elevated, high touch, high, high level experience. We're using high quality products, using natural products, like the whole, like mm-hmm. everything that I never got at a salon, I wanted to create a salon that was like that. Right. So then I got excited again. I started thinking, okay, what can I, where can I find a space? So I started looking around and by the time my financial advisor and I had started talking about um, real estate ownership. And she's like, you know, you really need to start looking at buying some buildings or at least some residential spaces or something. If you want to offset some of these taxes that you have to pay. Yeah. Ridiculous. Right. So, so I started looking at buildings to purchase. So I will, I went online, I was looking around and I found a couple places, but nothing that really sang to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have a friend who's a broker and years ago, she came to me and she said, Hey Gwen, I'm, I'm leaving my current job and I'm going to go into commercial real estate. If you're looking for a building, let me know. Now this was like six years ago. And at the time when she told me this, I was like, I don't know why she's telling me this. I'm not buying a building. <laughs> so I was like, thanks for taking me to lunch girl. But I don't know why yeah. you're telling me this. Yeah. So, but she planted that seed, right? Mm-hmm. So six years later, my first thought was like, call Rachel. So I called her and I told her what I was trying to do. And she's like, all right, let me look around, see what I can find. Now, mind you, I had already searched for commercial buildings in the city of Detroit or Metro Detroit, found a bunch of the places that she sent me also, but one place I had not found on my own. So she sends me this place and I looked at it and I was like, this looks like it might be good. So I go to that place and I look at it. I'm like, this is perfect. Again, things always working out the way Mm -hmm. that they should, right? In the end... The place was for sale. It had been on the market at that point already for three months. They only had one offer on it and they had declined that offer. No other offers other than mine and this other person's, they didn't want that other person's offer. And not only were they selling the space, not only were they willing to leave all the equipment in the space. Wow. And all the fixtures, but it had been newly renovated in 2017. So it was, it's basically a brand new salon that they had just renovated. It's modern, it's beautiful. And not, not only all of that, but it's also right off of the main highway that is accessible to everywhere in the city, no matter where you are. So when I think about things not working out, I'm like, okay, that's the last week didn't work out because of COVID. This other guy's place didn't work out because he gave it to somebody else. But then God said, I got something bigger and better for you. I have a place that you can actually own 
And I'm not even going to make you have to buy anything for it. It's already ready to go. All you got to go do is paint some stuff. It's already ready to go. Newly renovated. I'm going to make you getting the, the loan for the building easy. I'm going to give you a line of credit. I'm going to do all these things for you. And this is like, boom, 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 boom. And I just, again, that's like me having faith, right? Because had I thought that or doubted to your question, had I doubted that any of that was going to happen, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the keys to this building, yeah. right? This building, oh, mm-hmm. and by the way, remember the first salon was one or two chairs. Yeah. Second salon was eight. This is 16. Wow. Chairs and a nail room and three spa rooms in this building. That's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And it's, it's nothing that I can say that I did myself. Yeah. I had nothing to do with this. I just had the faith and I had the belief that it was going to happen. If at any point I had doubted it, it wouldn't have been mine. To me, it's like, don't doubt what you want. If you want it, and that's my best, best advice. If you want it, Believe that it's yours. Not even that it's going to be yours, that it's already yours. You just have to go through the, the due diligence and, and, the, and the, you know, the basics or whatever mm-hmm. to, to get it. But it's already yours. Like that building had been sitting there for three months. I didn't know that building was just, it was, it was, wait, it was waiting for me to show right. up. Right. You know? Right. And yeah, so I, I don't even get into doubt anymore because I know doubt is the first move where things are going to go south. So I just keep the faith. And I keep believing and I, med- I meditate on things. I visualize things. And I really believe that we can all have the lives that we want, but we just don't know the cheat code, which is to really keep, keep the faith, you know, for yeah. as, as cliche as it sounds, it, that it is what it is. I love that as a place to end because that is totally the mantra in She's Got Drive is living your life by design and not default. You can execute on your mm. dream. Yeah, I love that you keep the faith in you. It's like, it's already yours. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I'm excited about your salon. It's in Detroit. I don't know, it's that five hours drive from Chicago? Not too far. You got to get an appointment in fast because the last time you said you were booked up. I would love you to come. Go and get my head done. Yes. Trip to Detroit, weekend in Detroit. Yeah, and it's not far from one of like the really nice hotels if you need to stick around, you know. Listen, so I'm sticking around. <laughs> anyone who's listening or even yourself can just go follow Good Hair Bar on Instagram. Okay. I don't have it on oh, my phone. This, like... <laughs> if you just follow that, you'll get all the updates all about the we're opening and how to sign up and how to book and everything. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So it'll be in the show notes. Uh-huh. The show notes so people can go, go to Perfect. it. So I'm so happy. You're just, as I said, you're killing it. You're because of your faith, because of your, like all the things that you've talked about, being mindful, being present, creating your life. And um, yeah, it's just brilliant, 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 brilliant. So I'm going to keep watching you, but I will be at your salon. I'm totally, I'm totally coming. I'm just like, just really, really happy for you, all that you're doing and all that you're accomplishing. So thank you. And thank you for having me on your show. Um, I know it took us a few months to get together, but I'm glad we got it done. We got it done. yeah, yeah, just let me know when it's, it's up and, you know, we'll post it and everything too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll be then. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know okay. what, what week it is. All right, then. Have a right. rest of your week. Take care. You. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That brings us to the end of another episode of the She's Got Drive podcast. Thank you for listening. And now I loved this episode with Gwen. 
so much to learn about how to build, how she's building her business, how she's integrating her business into her own life and how she's just expanding. She is just such an inspiration. Um, I hope you got a lot from it. You got took a lot of notes and started to think about what is it that you could do out of listening to Gwen. And that's what I really want for you is like every time you hear the, the stories of our guests, it's like, what's one thing that you can take away from listening to this episode that you can implement in your own life one small thing and then over time imagine where you could be and what you could be what you could be accomplishing so now if you're getting a lot from the show if there's something that you're taking away i ask you to do another thing share the show with at least two women in your life get in your phone right now and then share the show and say i think you're going to love this episode be inspired stand in your joy and and let's expand together we are building a community of women living their best lives she's got drive is produced by cassandra Voltolina. the beautiful song that we now have in this season is called back to me by satoria key you can download that song on the she's got drive website podcast website so she's got drive.com website and you can download the song and then buy the song yeah the other thing i wanted to let you know is to remind us is like send me your questions i'm accumulating the questions from listeners and then i will start answering those questions in the future shows anything around your life if you're stuck if you've got goals if there's something that you're working on like consider me your life coach and i will take a question in um, each episode and answer it and keep building from there so Remember, we are building a community of women who are living their best lives and keep driving towards your dreams. Until next week, go well and stay well.